Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks, and today we unpack Avenge, Telcom, Coronation, and Quiltel with Chantal Marks from FNB Wealth and Investments. Chantal, it's always a pleasure. Hello. Hi. Wonderful. Thank you for being with us today. Chantal, we do have four counters. Let's talk about why we've chosen them today. I think that all of these companies have had their investment case brought into question over the last year or so. Um, in each individual case, uh, investors are asking themselves, is it worthwhile to hold on um, or has th have things changed so materially um, that there's no point in investing in these companies at the moment? I think probably less so for Quilter than for the other three. Um, but I think it's also worthwhile revisiting that investment case, which actually looks particularly interesting at the moment. Let's actually start with events. And the only reason we're starting with them is because they released a set of numbers yesterday. And yes, Chantal, when I looked at that set of numbers, I could not believe uh, that they are in the red at billions of rands. Uh, but they were optimistic. But I'm keen to get your thoughts here about that investment case for Avenge. So Avenge has been growing revenue quite nicely, but they've been unable to translate that into meaningful growth in profits or actually profitability in general. Um, we know they recorded a loss in that set of results that they released uh, yesterday. Um, and I think that the outlook is actually quite optimistic, um, mostly as it relates to the revenue outlook once again. So what investors need to ask themselves is, can uh, Avenge kind of steer itself out of the situation that it finds itself in right now? Is the business that is writing quality business? Are they overly exposed to big contracts, as was the case in this current period and probably the main reason why they suffered losses? Um, and will that revenue growth continue going forward. Um, I think that the, the revenue growth outlook is exceptional, mm. uh, but it will take time for us to get comfort in whether or not that translates into meaningful profit growth. For me, uh, Ashantal, one thing that really stands out here is there's really a thin margins in Avengers industry um, mm. that is so prone to literally, you know, the smallest uh, disruption, the smallest delay can have a ripple effect here. And I'm wondering if it would be even wise for them to um, in to diversify out a little bit uh, to a part where the, the margins are just a little bit better uh, because, you know, that margin management is so precarious. Yeah, it's so difficult because that's their main line of business, mm. right? So they've got McConnell Dow in Australia, um, which is their main construction and infrastructure business. And that is where they are based. They're out of the construction and infrastructure business largely in South Africa. Um, in Australia, it's even more difficult than it is in South Africa because contract disputes are so much more complicated. Mm. Um, also, the projects that they're involved with tend to be quite big. Um, on the on the on the mining side. I think if you're going through a, a normal mining cycle, um, you will have periods where mill months won't be as profitable. But generally, I think through the cycle, mill months should show decent margins, and that should offset the impact of those thin margins in the construction sector. Mm. So I don't necessarily think they should expand more. I like the fact that they've narrowed their focus a little bit and that they, that management effort is being channeled into the two main businesses. Mm. Um, but I think that what you saw in the specific period was just um, <laughs> both businesses mm -hmm. um, being kind of tripped up by by two large contracts and and hopefully that doesn't reoccur um, in the new f near future uh, back in 2008 
2018, 2018, I think, Chantal, there were talks of an MNR, so a Marion Robertson Avenge merger of sorts. And I'm wondering from your perspective, if consolidation in this industry is even worth it, um, you know, at this point, might it be better for the, uh, companies like that to uh, come together and try to tackle their very complex environment together? So I think that it could work, mm. um, but you'll cast your mind back to kind of World Cup 2010 mm. collusion price fixing type stories um, that dominated the industry. Um, and that makes me think that the Competition Commission will not be uh, that positive on um, these these kind of bigger uh, construction companies merging together. I think certainly it will help um, just smooth over um, kind of the, the tender process, um, as it were, um, and perhaps take a lot of cost out of that system so that they can show better profitability. Mm. Um, but I think that there are some serious intricacies uh, around that and some legacy issues that might prevent something like that taking place. Ah, it's wonderful that you speak of legacy issues. Let's talk about Telcom. <laughs> Yes, so Telcom has serious legacy issues Mm. because they've got this massive fixed line network that they are um, they are upkeep that they're paying a lot of money to to kind of maintain, Um, but revenue in that fixed line business continues to fall off, and the fall off has actually accelerated, Um, and that is your old school telephone lines, right? Um, but Telcom is in a position where they still have to maintain that infrastructure, but they're not really getting a lot of bang for their buck. Meanwhile, they are investing in new kind of areas, including fiber and mobile. And those areas are quite exciting and they're doing a pretty decent job um, by telecommunications standards. I know we all struggle with our mobile providers and our fiber providers. Um, but Telcom is doing well in terms of, of holding and maintaining and in certain areas actually growing market share. But they have this legacy business. Mm. They also have a few other bulky businesses that actually shouldn't form as core, uh, core to their operations. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of value in there. Mm. But they've rebuffed advances from MTN. Um, they've rebuffed the latest advance from their ex-CEO. Um, Rain did a due diligence on Telcom and opted not to get involved. Um, and as a result, you have a share price that is severely depressed and trading well below net asset value. Um, and I think there are a lot of frustrated shareholders out there. Um, I think the best course of action for this company would be to, to unbundle um, and separately list some of those assets. I think that that could deliver some value to shareholders. Um, and then look for partnerships in, in the other areas. Um, I think OpenServe should be on its own. SwiftNet should be on its own. And the company's done the hard yards, right? They've already separated those businesses for reporting purposes. Um, I think that they're probably just waiting for better market conditions or they're actually looking for outright buyers of those businesses. Um, But for now, I think that the share price will continue moving sideways until we have some sort of resolution as to how they're going to unlock value for shareholders. A very interesting part of, I think, Telcom for me, Chantal, is that uh, 40% that the government owns. And I'm wondering, you know, government as a shareholder here, if that could also be, uh, you know, driving uh, the current strategy that does have, uh, you know, other shareholders possibly a little bit frustrated, but government still seeing maybe uh, Telcom through a development lens. 
Yes, I do think that they see the shareholding there as strategic. Um, but I mean, it's. I think that that I don't necessarily think that that is a reason why telecom is under pressure, mm. or that is the reason why telecom is struggling to separate its businesses or find um, decent partners. Um, but I think that that does always factor in when you're talking about telecom. I mean, mm. I remember learning about telecom um, as a as a very young analyst, and one of the first things that my mentor told me was. was Government owes 40% of this business. You need to be aware of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think you always keep it back of mind, but I don't think that that's necessarily what's weighing on the investment case currently. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, Ashantal. And I'm just keen to get your thoughts also. If uh, a deal doesn't come through, if there's no unbundling, what could happen with Telcom? Uh, you know, their industry is moving very fast. If I just think of MTN, if I think of Vodacom, um, lots of capital being pumped into new businesses, um, you know, yeah. on uncharted territories. I'm not sure what uh, the Telcom of the future could look like, uh, you know, based on this landscape that we're seeing with telcos. So I think they, they will have to get rid of this legacy business mm. um, by separating it out completely. I think if they don't do that, then they'll continue to face um, headwinds in terms of what they can do in the rest of their businesses. Um, so, so I think it's imperative that, that they actually have a plan and with that business and that they do something about the situation and realize value out of it. Um, Similarly, with their towers business and their property portfolio, I think that they can actually generate meaningful capital um, from from selling those businesses or potentially um, listing some of them separately. And then they can fund investments and stuff like fintech because the cool thing for telecom is because they lost market um, and because they don't have exposure to a lot of the fintech stuff that Vodacom and MTN has exposure to, they effectively have a blueprint. Um, I don't want to call it copy and paste, but they've got a blueprint um, as to what to do with that uh, mobile business specifically. Um, And I think that the the fiber business also offers um, still substantial opportunity um, in South Africa. We we don't have full broadband penetration in this country. um, And I think that that is where the focus should lie, those two businesses. Let's talk about Coronation now, uh, Chantal. Keen to get your thoughts here specifically on, uh, you know, Coronation is actually a really good business. But this tax slip-up has been a real slip-up. And I'm wondering if that uh, uh, at all, uh, the share price at all has recovered from uh, that (laughs) slip-up. So we actually did see the share price recover um, from that slip-up. And Mm -hmm. I think that what investors have come to terms with is the fact that, okay, um, obviously this thing is still being litigated, but say they do have to pay this fine. That is one year worth of, not even a full year worth of dividends, right? So next year, they are going to pay a big, fat, chunky dividend again. And the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. And if this thing actually goes in their way, there'll be an even bigger windfall to to shareholders. So my thinking is that the valuation has basically been impacted by the the missing dividend. Um, but as the the valuation will again start reflecting future dividends. So I think that it's probably trading at around fair value at the moment. But I think in one year's time, that fair value could look a lot different. 
I get your thoughts here with Coronation being impacted by, of course, volatile markets, but still uh, managing to do okay, um, you know, Chantal. Where does the risk for Coronation uh, come from? It just seems to be uh, so solid that uh, if you took out the SARS issue, uh, I don't even think it would be a company worth speaking about because it's just so solid. <laughs> So I think that one of the biggest risk, uh, risks are continued outflows, both from the retail client base and the institutional client base. So what we've seen among institutions is because we've had regulatory limits increase on offshore investments, um, a lot of these institutions have been moving more money out of South Africa. So there have been sizable outflows in that space. Mm -hmm. And retail investors are under a lot of pressure. There's a lot of um, different areas competing for your savings, right? Um, whether that is to pay down debt in the face of high interest rates or just actually affording your lifestyle um, given current macroeconomic constraints. Mm -hmm. So I think that that remains a, a key risk for them. Um, we have seen outflows or the face of outflows actually slowing more recently, which is encouraging. Um, but I think that that is what presents the biggest risk to the long-term investment case for, for Coronation and, and for the asset management industry generally. As a whole. Let's talk also Quilter. Now, they're London-based. That UK economy, uh, you know, Chantal, has seen, uh, I think, its worst days, I think, in years. And I don't know if it's going to, yeah. uh, you know, bounce back anytime soon. But Quilter's really done okay in the, in the face of all of that. Okay, so, so I mean, asset under management growth hasn't been great, mm. but they have cleaned up their business um, in, in a remarkable way. And they've removed a lot of costs out of their system, which means that their margins have been very, very well supported despite um, quite subdued uh, revenue. Um, and I think that the business is now positioned very well for a recovery in the UK economy, whether that comes next year or the year after that. And what I really like about the, the structure of the UK financial advice um, kind of space is that the UK have moved from a pension, uh, pension funds mostly being uh, defined benefit to defined contribution, which means that you are not guaranteed a certain pension if you work for a company. You are guaranteed. You have to make the. You have to actually take the responsibility of what that is onto yourself, yeah. which means financial advice in that market has become a lot more important. Mm. And Quilter, being the largest of its kind, um, is is set to benefit from that. And you can already see that coming through um, in the numbers of, of the it, it, in terms of their wealth management and portfolio management businesses. Even though that top line number isn't being supported by markets currently. Now, we don't have much time left. We have spoken about four very interesting counters. Uh, four retail investors sitting at home with some money to spare. Uh, where would you put your money here first? In what order uh, would you invest in these stocks? So I would definitely um, be comfortable with Quilter, okay. firstly, and then probably Coronation. Mm -hmm. I am not too comfortable yet with either Telcom or Avenge because I think that there's a lot that still needs to happen there. But if I had to pick, I would probably have Avenge pip Telcom. Mm -hmm. Very interesting uh, rating there. I must be honest, uh, ranking uh, there, uh, Chantal. That was Chantal Miles from FNB Wealth and Investments with your Wednesday edition of Stock Picks.